Welcome to this, our morning devotional. Let us first listen to some music and just slow ourselves down and uh, breathe deeply and prepare to hear the word of the Lord. Our scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Mark in its fifth chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and when he saw him fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly. My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages, hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately, aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowds pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. 
Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and he said to her, Falita kam kum, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the little girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this, and he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the word just read and the word to come all serve you and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So some reading plans and devotionals would have us separate these two stories, these two stories of healing, but I think there is great value in reading them together. While at first glance or at first reading, it might read a little disjointed, many scholars believe that these stories were intentionally meant to be read together. Each story, that of Jairus' daughter and the hemorrhaging woman, is a story of healing and it's a story of healing of a girl and a woman. And it's a story of healing of a girl and woman who was healed through the touch of Jesus. The verse opens with Jesus arriving by boat to the location. Mark talks a lot about boats in his gospel. He writes 18 times about boats in his gospel, three times in chapter five alone. Of course, this was a common mode of transportation at the time, but often when there's mention of a boat, it's followed by a story that is meant to serve as an example to the church. When we think about it in this way, we can see these familiar stories with new eyes, beyond them being really incredible, compelling stories about the strength of faith in the people healed, the strength of faith in the woman, and the strength of faith in the synagogue leader. Uh, there is also a story here of a ministry of presence, not presents like Christmas presents, a, a ministry of presence by Jesus where we find Jesus attending to the hurt and need that he sees right in front of him. And he's not just attending to it, but he's willingly allowing the touch of a woman who would have been thought to be unclean and untouchable. Jesus willingly touching a dead body, which again would have made him unclean. But Jesus does this to heal people. Jesus touches people. Touch has a powerful effect on us for good or bad, I suppose, but loving touch is essential. When I think of touch in my own life, so many people came to mind. When I was little, my mom would scratch our backs and it was so comforting. It would chase away bad dreams and it would lure to sleep even the most reluctant and rambunctious of daughters. 
My dad gave great hugs. And for years after my grandpa Aaron died, I could imagine and really still feel his strong, calloused hands in mine. And it would give me peace. My daughter and Sydney and I have a practice of resting our foreheads against each other's and our noses. And when I do that, I can feel my heart rate slowing. Loving touch can communicate care and presence in a way that little else can. Indeed, human touch is an important part of how we interact with others. When we shake hands or hug our loved one or give high fives to our friends, and there's nothing better than a really good high five, I think, we are bonding. We bond through physical touch. Touch is so important in part because skin is the largest organ in our body, and it sends good and bad touch sensations to our brains. When we engage in pleasant touch like a hug, our brains release a hormone called oxytocin, and oxytocin makes us feel good, and it solidifies emotional and social bonds with other people. It lowers our anxiety and our fear. And this reaction to physical touch, to loving physical touch, it begins at birth. When you have a baby, I remember being told, hold your baby often, skin to skin, to hold and comfort our babies, and it helps promote healthy development. And this human need for touch, it exists for our whole lives. Human touch helps regulate sleep and digestion. It builds our immune system and it fights infections. And the truth is that there are just so many who go without it. The pandemic certainly created a loving touch crisis, but it exists all the time. Doctors have actually identified something called touch starvation which happens when we don't get as much physical touch as we need. And in some cases, people aren't getting physical touch at all. As Christians seeking to follow Christ, we can see in today's scripture how a kind touch can encourage a suffering person to not fear, to believe. Our compassionate touch can serve as a powerful reminder of the love and the grace of God. And touch, it sort of validates a person's humanity. It validates their bodily existence. This was certainly the case with the hemorrhaging women who may not have been touched in years. So our touch is important, especially if someone is sick or dirty or otherwise might likely have gone a long time without loving touch. Both synagogue leader and the hemorrhaging woman hope against all evidence. They hope that Jesus will hear their desperate cry, will see them laying on the ground before him, that they might, in her case, feel the desperate touch, and that Jesus will answer, that Jesus will reach out to them and reach into their pain. As Christ's hands and feet in the world, we can offer touch. When it is wanted, we can offer touch to the hurting and the lonely in Christ-like ways. I read a wonderful story this week about a 17-year-old Boy Scout in Texas who built hugging booths during the pandemic. 
when he heard that residents of a local uh, nursing home assisted living facility were suffering from the isolation and from the lack of human touch. He built three booths. I'll ask Matt to include a few pictures of these booths with this devotional. But they were wood booths and they had plexiglass so you could see the person across from you. And then they had two holes for your arms with rubber gloves on the other side. And through the generous and kind effort of this boy, people could hug their loved ones without touching it all. How wonderful is that? I have a friend who rocks babies in the intensive care unit for newborns. And here on Sunday morning at Church of the Palms, not everyone wants a hug or a handshake. But when they do, we can know that we're doing something important and holy when we see them, when we see that need and we stop to shake their hand, to give them a hug or maybe a really good high five. Our loving touch can teach and remind and encourage people in their belief, belief that God is with us, God is for us, and God will not let our pain and death be the final word. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the ways in which your loving touch has reached us through others. Help us to see others, to live lives of presence that are so in tune to the needs of others that we can respond. Encourage us to seek ways to extend your healing into a hurting world. And when we see suffering, give us courage to not pull away, but to draw closer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.